You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your hosts, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gab. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator, Todd Fox. And it's just going to be us today, wifey uh, Gabby Gab is not going to be on the show today. She has to take care of uh, family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To sum it all up. So it's just going to be me and Todd on this episode. So uh, we're going to hold it down. Uh, before we get started, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. Just look us up under the Grinding True Crime Podcast. There you can find some of our old previous recordings that we've done. <clears throat> okay. With that being said, we're going to kickstart this show. And this one's going to be one relating to an NBA basketball player who 90 and 80 kids might know who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be about uh, Brian Williams, also known as Bison Daly. So we're going to talk about the story of Mr. Williams, and I'm going to let Todd take it away from here. You got the floor, Todd. All right. Thank you, sir, as as always. Um, this one's called Blood is Not Thicker Than Water, So, Uh-oh. and that will play into it later. I know what this means. Yes. So you, you've kind of heard this story. This is like one of the rare ones that Matt's actually heard. So. Yep, this is the one I actually heard, but I'm going to see how uh, Todd breaks it down in detail. Okay, cool. So, Bison Daly, as he was known later in life, was born actually Brian Carson Williams, like Matt said, on on April 6, 1969, in Fresno, California. Uh, he was the second son of singer Patricia Williams and, uh, and singer Eugene Williams, Jr., of the musical group The Platters. A lot of people don't know that. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so look at... <clears throat> yeah, there's one right there. Um... So look up the platters if you get a chance on Spotify or whatever. Okay. Hashtag, we just sponsored Spotify. Um, there you go. <laughs> so his parents, <laughs> his parents later divorced, and him and his brother moved in with the mom Patricia. Um, Bison was African American and Native American descent, so it's a pretty, pretty um, not your standard mixture. So he mm-hmm. had he had like a light color skin. Um, yeah. In junior high, Bison began to really take off in basketball, and his mom saw the potential and the opportunity to get him not only higher education, but maybe to get him into basketball full-time in his career in the future. So they transferred from his high school in Fresno to Las Vegas, where he averaged 17 points, 12 rebounds, and 9 blocks a game. Now that's stats right there. It is, dude. Nearly a triple-double every night. Nearly a triple-double. Yep. So, uh, so then, for reasons unknown that I could find, he came back to California and transferred to Santa Monica Christian High School, which they had, I guess, a pretty good basketball program, a little bit better than Vegas. So, the mom okay. saw, saw opportunity and got over there. Um, there, he starred in not only basketball but track as well, and uh, which earned him a scholarship to the University of Maryland for him. And, um, okay. he, yeah, so he went to Maryland as a, as a dual threat, you know, track star and basketball player. However, 
he, for, again, reasons unknown, transferred to the University of Arizona in the Pac-12, and he just went full-on basketball, dump track altogether. Um, so in 1991, he entered the NBA draft, and after, two, after only two uh, seasons in Arizona, he was drafted 10th overall to the Orlando Magic. And although they, wow, I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I thought he would, you know, he got traded or he got drafted by the Clippers. Actually, he didn't. Yeah, because he started with the Clippers from what yeah. I remember. Yeah, pretty much. And if you remember that '91 team, they were pretty bad. I think the the Magic were like close to an expansion because I think they came in around '89 or something like that. Yes. Yeah, they were. Yeah, so they weren't that good. But even if, even as bad as they were, this is pre Shaq, pre Penny Hardaway. He never saw the court much. So he spent two years in Orlando and, and, or actually one year in Orlando. No, yeah, no, two years. I'm sorry. Two years in Orlando. And then he was traded to the, the Denver Nuggets. So in 93, 94, he played a career high for the bad Denver Nuggets who were one year from breaking my heart away when they <laughs> beat the Sonics. That's another story for another Oh day. yeah. Yeah. So we're going, we're going two sports with this one. Um, <laughs> But uh, he played a career-high 80 games. I'm just going to go through his stats, so if there's people that don't like sports, it'll be real quick. Um, He averaged only eight points a game. Then he was dealt to the worst team in the league, which was the Los Angeles Clippers, who were god-awful. I remember going to a game sitting up in the upper deck for $7 and then moving all the way to front court, and no one cared. (laughs) So, (laughs) Uh Welcome to the 90s. Yeah, welcome to the 90s. Um, there, though, with the Clippers, he averaged 16 points a game and was probably their second-best scorer on the team. Um, that's when I remember, uh, well, he, he was known as Bison Daly, but that's when I remember Brian, Brian Williams when he was with the Clippers. Yes. That's yeah. when he stood out to me. Yeah, that's when, that's when he, because he, he was the only guy here locally, you know, he, he for the Clippers. Yeah. He, he played pretty good. Um, yeah. But the weird thing, and I forgot about this, the 96-97 season, he actually sat out. He didn't play. His um, agent was trying to get him more money because at the time, you know, was, he was trying to get a big contract, and he really, the Clippers didn't want to do it. They were notoriously cheap, so he sat out. So he became a free agent in 1997, signed a one-year deal with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And in mm-hmm. 90, in 97, is uh, he was one of the key players off the bench to help Jordan win his second back to uh, uh, second back-to-back championship and fifth out of six total titles. So that was yep. that was the pinnacle of his career right there, as far as championships. Um, yep. So despite this success with the Bulls that one year, he again became a free agent, but this time signed a five a seven year deal with the Detroit Pistons, which made him the highest paid player on the Pistons, and he set career highs with 17 points a game and became the Pistons' second leading scorer. And he, but the, here's the thing though. And here's where most here's where the basketball stuff ends. He would play two seasons in Detroit, and his final year that he did play in Detroit, he changed his name from Brian Williams to Bison Daly to honor his Cherokee heritage, Indian heritage. All right. And then, uh, so in Bison in 1998 had uh, been with the Pistons' highest played players, but two years into a seven-year deal, he began to have problems with management and the organization and just decided you know what I have enough basketball in my life it's not really my thing like 
I have bigger and better ambitions. I want to travel the world. I want to live it up. And he looked at his bank account and said, you know what? I'm, I'm good. I think this will last me the rest of my life. I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to invest in that. He was already doing smart things. He had a manager that was managing his money. So he decided, I'm going to walk away. So we're, while most players at this age of 30 are hitting their prime, which he, he was starting to hit his prime, and you know they they should be able to cash in after that five years left mm-hmm. on his contract for another mm-hmm. big contract. He just decided to walk away. Um, he turned wow. he turned down thirty six point eight million dollars in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And back then, that was a lot of money. That was a lot of money because he signed a he signed the deal originally for sixty five million with a bonus, and so he had. He put about half of that into his bank account, and then the remaining 36.8, which he was owed if he played, he just decided to walk away. So, I mean, how many of us would walk away from that? And playing a game, it's like, you know, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I I wouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Especially in my prime. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot to show. I mean, that was 2000. I mean, basketball was still high up there, Mm -hmm. so... So here's where the, our story begins. So I give you a brief, in, you know, start about Bison's life, his career. So he's at 30 years old here, 31 maybe. So in 2000, Bison would meet up with a, a white woman by the name of Serena Carlin, who was a fun-loving, okay. free-spirited person, according to friends and family. Um, both of them enjoyed each other's company a lot, and although, uh, and didn't really spend a lot of money between them. They did a lot of simple things. They they liked to just do things on the go, go hiking, go on you know trips and stuff, but nothing too expen- uh, expensive. And she had okay. a job in New York, and he he was lonely, but and he battled with depression a little bit. But he was so into her, he never thought about that stuff when he was with her. So they were good for each other, basically. Okay. So um, in that same year, Bison fell in love with sailing. Because they had, he had dabbled with sailing, you know, um, rented boats or had skippers taken places, and he just enjoyed the open ocean. So he bought himself a six hundred thousand dollar boat. Woo! Yeah, so that's probably about what two million now, something like yeah, that. Yeah, from my life, <laughs> yeah, a couple million, pretty much. And um, the two began to regularly sell on the ocean and just do trips off the the west coast or the east coast. He would, he would, uh, do you know the name of his boat? It's from a Disney film. It's a song. Uh, Pocahontas. No, it's from a Disney, a Disney song. Think of 80s or think of 90s, uh, Disney. The Bear Necessity. No, <laughs> no, not the Bear Necessity. <laughs> you got me, man. It means no worries. Oh. For the rest of your days. There you go. Akuna Matata. That was the Akuna name of the book. Akuna Matata. Yep, from The Lion King, famously. Um, they once took a five-week trip together. Five weeks, dude. Um, seeing all the beautiful spots in the Pacific. As she returned to the East Coast to work, Bison asked her to come on another trip. Just weeks later. He was lonely. He missed her. She said, I have to work and pay my rent. Some other time... But I still, I love you. I just got to take care of stuff here in the city. Mm-hmm. Although she really liked him, she didn't want to depend on him or feel like any that, that she needed any of his money. She was very independent. That's his girlfriend, right? Yeah, that's his girlfriend. So okay. 
she didn't want to be one of those basketball wives or girlfriends, basically. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that I either. I respect that. Yeah, and so what do you think Bison did? You know, what, did he take no for an answer? Uh, most celebrities or basketball athletes don't really take no for an answer, so I'm gonna say no. You're absolutely correct because just two days later, she received a letter in the mail, which quote reads, um, "I thought of, of of your financial situation." And the posted note was attached to a check for fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Dang! Right? <laughs> Dang! So, yeah. So hey, that's a good that's a good note to open. Yeah, he's basically like, "Hey, pay your rent for the next few months. Buy yourself something nice. You know, pay off your bills and come with me. You know." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and for so real. it's but but later that week, Bison was officially diagnosed with depression. Um. So he knew he needed to spend time with her. He knew he wanted to be with her. He he didn't feel all these feelings when he wasn't with her. So yeah. naturally, he couldn't wait to see her again. He apologized for the check, but he said, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I need you in my life. I miss you. So, it was, so, so far, it's a nice little love story, you know? Yeah. So far, so good. Yeah, so far, so good. The guy's played an NBA career. You know, he's done all this these accomplishments. He wants to just live his life and, and not bother anybody and, you know, and do fun things. What mm-hmm. what what can go wrong? Um, Something must go wrong. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise it wouldn't be on this podcast. Because otherwise it wouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> so let's find out what we're wrong. Exactly. So we'll start to get there. Um so then as as they started talking and, and you know, he, he reveals the depression to her and everything like that, it was a bit of a red mm-hmm. flag. And she didn't know the fact that when he was younger and even once during his NBA career, he attempted suicide. Oh. Um, yeah. So this was a little bit yeah, of I a, didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. It was a bit of a shock to her. And she addressed it by going with him and supporting him at doctor's appointments and whatnot before they even went on their trip. So that year, instead of sailing, they did do a lot of things together, but she was there for, for his mental support as well. Mm-hmm. So finally, in, um, in 2002, Serena decided to sell around, or Serena and him decided to sell around the world. They made a trip. Um, it was supposed to take a couple months, and uh, Bison uh, would, would hop off on the uh, they would go basically um, island hopping off of New Zealand, go to Tahiti, places like that. And then they were gonna okay. they were gonna wind up in Hawaii. Um, so her family encouraged her to go because they felt that you know for the last two years it's been a solid relationship and they're just good for each other. So yeah. so she she decided to go, but here's where things take a twist. Uh oh. Yes. So out of the Uh-oh. out of the blue, um, you know, Bison and them are on the west coast here somewhere in San Diego. They docked the boat. Um, he's hired a skipper to take them on their trip and on their voyage. And okay. as they're having wine one night and they're relaxing, they get a knock on the door. And who is it? Who do uh, you I'm going to say his brother. Bingo. It was Bison's brother, Miles. Miles, why you gotta be Miles? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Matt Miles. Hey, he ain't related to me. <laughs> yeah, he's not. That's his first name. That's his first name. <laughs> that's true, that's true. 
So here's the problem with his brother just showing up out of the blue. Not only do you show right. up out of the blue, you have a strained relationship with your brother. Meaning oh, they, so they weren't close. No, they've always they've always been at odds. Basically, it's the whole Cain and Abel type deal, where mm -hmm. basically Miles watched the entire career of Bison. You know, Bison was always better than him at sports. Bison was always a better uh, athlete in general. He got the praise from the family. He helped out the family. Whereas Miles, he had a reputation for borrowing money. You know, he wasn't helping out family members or he wasn't um, just an overall good guy. He had a criminal record. He got into a lot of uh, get-rich-quick schemes. And, oh, there we go. Yeah, and so him and Bison were always at odds because the jealousy. And it hurt Bison because that's his only sibling. So, Was that his older brother or younger brother? Younger. Younger brother, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, for some reason... Miles showed up with a big duffel bag and said, hey, um, I heard you're going on a trip. The family told me about it. I was wondering if I could tag along. I won't be in your guys' way. I just need to get away, and then I feel that maybe me and you can reconcile and bond on this trip. Me and you really haven't talked in a long time. So Bison, the big heart that he had, decided, you know what, for whatever reason, even though this is supposed to be a romantic six-week getaway with my girl, Mm-hmm. You know, we'll go along for the ride, and if worse comes to worse, you know, I could send him home on a plane on one of these islands that we land on, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Bison said yes. Um, she was skeptical about it, but, uh, you know, she she decided to go along with it, and she said if Bison, you know, she trusts Bison, so if Bison thinks it's okay, then she's going to roll with it. And so Bison hired a captain, like I said, to sell the boat, just three days um, into the trip, though, however, Bison starts arguing with the skipper. He starts saying, how come you're doing this? How come you're doing that? Let me take over. And where a Miles actually does. Bison oh, goes. Okay. Yeah. Miles, Miles starts arguing with the skipper. Yeah. And, and Bison comes from below deck and is like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, he's he's being arrogant, this and that. And the guy was French and he was pretty pissed off at, at the dude. And he was he was telling Miles, he's like. He's like, you don't belong up here, whatever. And he's, and then Bison had to like reel him in because Miles had a bit of a temper. Mm. So he's like, dude, calm down. And then they had a dinner on the deck the next night, and Miles was just kind of staring at at his girlfriend to where the point she gets up, and she actually goes below deck because she's like, you know, I feel uncomfortable. She tells Bison, and the fact that we know all this stuff is because she was making regular calls to her mom and other friends. And they actually set up a, and so she was sending their concerns to her family and friends about some of the stuff that was happening on the boat. Oh, dang. Yeah, so she was getting frustrated with things. Him and Bison kept arguing miles. And they were headed towards a, a, a New Zealand. And the tensions began to get more and more things, uh, more and more uh, vicious between the two. And Bison was already thinking, man, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. Look. What's that? No, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. How many days has it been now since they left? Two weeks. It's been two weeks already? It's been two weeks. Dang. Yeah. So it was... Oh, go ahead. Not to cut you off. Do you think they made a mistake by allowing it to go this long? If, if tensions have been brewing... Since day one, it seems. 
or days in, shouldn't they have said, you know what, you got to go. Skipper, take us to the next island get him out of here. Well, I think you're thinking ahead because he should have did it earlier. But the problem is, here. here's the deal. Bison's big heart got in the way again. Um, uh-huh. She told him, look, it's either your brother or me. I don't like the tension. I don't like the way he's looking at me. I don't like the fact that we're not able to enjoy ourselves. So Bison said, you know what? What we're going to do, and she's like, I want to go to Tahiti. And and um, basically at one of the islands, they took off for a plane and left miles with the captain or with the skipper. And they were going to take, it was going to take a week and a half for them to reach Tahiti. So in that week and a half, Bison and his girlfriend were able to stay in a hotel, snorkel, visit the island, do all those things alone and have a great time. So he figured maybe when Miles gets here, he'll cool off, better heads will prevail, and we'll be able to move on. And then at worst, the worst, then, you know, on our way to Hawaii, we could just drop him off and he could fly home. Like, I don't want to deal with him anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was the plan. Um, so they they did most of that, and they 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 lived up the week and a half, two weeks or whatever. And um, as the day was getting closer, Miles did re- rejoin them. Serena called her friend in Hawaii and said, "We will see you in a couple weeks." And at the same time, she told her um, she told Bison is a uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, Bison will drop off his brother in Hawaii and he'll fly back because I'm pretty sure. The way things have been going, it's not going to work out. Yeah. So her friend asked, uh, "Why, uh, you know, why is he, uh, is she and him taking these actions with Miles?" And she kind of explained it a little bit. So the, the, you know, her friend was a little concerned, but she said, "Trust me, things will be okay." Blah blah blah. So here's what happens on this show every time I mention a date. <laughs> Whenever you mention a date, that means something bad happened. Yes, sir. So, unfortunately, Uh-oh. on July 8th, 2002, after that phone call, the four departed for the big island of, of Hawaii. Um, Miles started to ask too many questions again of the captain, who was this time a different guy. And oh, um, different. Yeah, it was a different captain. He hired a different one in uh, Tahiti. and this was oh, a, okay. But this was a French guy who had a pretty bad attitude so like this guy was like don't talk to me i'm doing my job leave me alone i'll be nice to you if you're nice to me but for the most part just leave me alone right just leave me be mm-hmm. so it's not clear but this is what we got from the police report that at some point miles started asking too many questions of the captain again and there was a fight that was breaking out between the two now at this, oh, yeah, at this time, Bison confronted his brother and told him, when we get to Hawaii, I'm sending you home on a plane. This isn't going to work no more, and it was a stupid idea for me trusting you and having faith in you and trying to repair things. You're acting the same way you've always acted. So, um, let's see. So two, so two days later, phone calls to friends and family stopped. So the assumption is it was around... Um, what is it called? It was around uh, July 10th when they disappeared. Because, July 10th? Yeah, because there was, you know, July 8th they left, but two days later the phone call stopped to friends and family. Because they were calling, friend, you know, mostly her. She was calling her family. And, On uh, July 9th, they were still calling. Yeah, and but July 10th there was nothing. So it stopped. Okay. Um, so as family tried to reach out, 
things went straight to voicemail. So that's always a bad sign. Yep. So then there was a police report filed. Um, you know, you had the Coast Guard searching, but in a vast ocean like that, how the hell are they going to find them? That's worse than a needle in a haystack. Yes, it is. So the disappearance went into the month of August, actually, with still no sign of four people. Um, in late August, however, the investment group Bison did business with and on, you know, with Wall Street and things like that, got a call from Brian Williams, not Bison Daily, but Brian Williams. And the caller was stating he wanted to make a huge um, addition or, or purchase of gold coins. Um, Bison says, on, or Brian Williams says, Brian. On, yeah, because he's going by Brian instead of Bison, says that he will send the check. It arrives three days later at the manager's office with a signature Brian Williams, something he hasn't done in a few years, uh-huh. for the amount of $132,000. And it clears. Wow. But his friend and investment manager uh, found something out that just didn't that just didn't look right. You know, usually Bison would, would call him and... And, you know, they would talk and before any kind of investment was made and there was no interaction. So he called the number that was left with the check and it went to a voicemail and all it said was, hey, this is B, leave me a message. And right away, his manager knew this wasn't the voice of his good friend and an investor, uh, Bison Daly. Yeah. He could just tell, huh? Yeah, he could tell. He knew right away. So he saved the voicemail and he... um went to the police the police then because it's a check and it's a fraud thing hired the fbi as well just in case on the side and um bison had an appointment to pick up his uh, his coins and the investment stuff at a bank in arizona uh-huh. police were waiting for him in the other room and miles showed up of course with bison's passport in his hand because the two looked a lot alike a lot okay yeah so he was immediately arrested claiming to be bison police interrogated him for hours and asked him where the three missing people were plus why was he impersonating his brother what do you think he said okay now this i don't know so i'm i i'm gonna say he told him to go do it for him close and that's part that's part of it okay but here's the Oh, he told him that he was asleep or something. That he was what? He was asleep. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he went more elaborate on this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he stated, he thus stated that three of them were currently being held for ransom by Polynesian pirates and that Bison had wrote him a check, but Miles was released to get the money and he was supposed to give the gold coins to the pirates so the money wouldn't be traced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad these are not the 16th detectives that you've been, you've been telling before. <laughs> yeah, I know we've had some pretty bad policing, but um, <laughs> believe it or not, these guys joined the uh, group of bad policing. Are you serious? I am dead serious. Because why? No. The police had to investigate it, but had a problem. The, the police would investigate, but um, the, the issue but had a problem in the area at the time. Phoenix Police Department, despite the claims and weirdnesses, let him go. 
What? Yes. And the reason why was they figured it seems plausible that that kind of pirate activity would be in the area that they were at. <laughs> with, what? With no proof they believe this story. Wow. However, he was not able to take the gold coins. So, that to me, it's like if you're believing his story, shouldn't you have an FBI wire on him? Shouldn't you say, okay, yep. show us where they are. We'll follow you. We'll try to rescue them. Here's the gold coins. We're going to do this together. Yep. They took the gold coins <laughs> and they <laughs> let him go. So, basically, they're like, well, if, if the story's true, he's dead now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, 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 they believed his story. And the only way to save his brother and the three other two is with those gold coins, but they won't let him have it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, great. There you go. Bad, bad Detective 2.0 again. Exactly. I mean, we have so many of these in the stories, and it's it's Easy. incredible. But, um, you know, we have, I think for every good detective that we have in these stories, there's like seven bad ones. You know, yeah. So I just uh, so a week later in San Diego, the Acuna Matata was found repainted in the port in a random port. So it was even painted over. You know, had a what the heck? It was a That's white. To tell you something right there. Oh yeah, it was a white boat with nice decorations, and it was all painted like a dirty blue, like if you just rolled it with with paint. Um, oh wow! Yeah, so Miles was nowhere to be found. He was on the run. Because the police still had plenty of questions, but they couldn't hold him. They had no evidence. Um, as he was on the... And, but to me, having your brother's passport's enough evidence right there. You did something wrong. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So as he was on the run, he visited a friend in San Francisco, being Miles, where he stated uh, that he got into a... Here's his story. He got into a fight with his brother and in the process accidentally hit Serena in the face. And as she tried to... Uh, as as she tried to stop the two from fighting, the two brothers. So she got in the way, according to his story, of the two hitting each other. And then he hit her so hard that her either neck, uh, her, her neck snapped or when she hit the bow of the boat, uh, her head hit the boat and her neck snapped and she died instantly. Um, so that's yeah. it. That's his story with her. Then he said that Bison came up from down below with the captain and bison said oh my god oh my god oh my god what do we do and then and then um the captain said we need to call the authorities to where bison grabbed uh miles gun because he admitted he brought a gun on board and shot the um the captain three times and then he uh what is it uh when he had the gun uh he put the gun down and he said we need to get rid of these bodies that's when miles turned the gun on bison and said look i'm i'm probably next you don't like me anyway and bison charged him he shot bison and then he then proceeded to throw all three bodies overboard wow that's his claim right um oh go ahead okay so i was about to say now okay the first one that happened if he did accidentally hit the girl what he did Mm-hmm. and snapped her neck why would bison come up to the front and say we gotta kill the captain next like for what <laughs> <laughs> yeah it doesn't make sense right don't make sense so the friend on, upon hearing this she went straight to the police 
and the police knew that they had the boat. You know, they got in contact with San Diego police, and San Diego police went searched the boat, and they found no blood, and no bullets, like bullet holes or shell casings. So wow. the cops investigated this for a while, and there was certain discrepancies in in the on the on the ship that didn't add up. So like what? Like like with say for instance, um, the fact that some of their belongings hadn't been touched. They weren't rushed off oh. the boat. Um, the anchor that he said, you know, like weighed the bodies down was still there. Okay. And so they were thinking, okay, they didn't, the weights and everything weren't thrown over with the bodies, like he said. So here's the tragic theory that makes most sense. Now, only Miles knows what happened on that boat, but here's what the cops came up with. And I think this scenario is most likely the tragic ending. Um, the likely scenario was that he forced them by gunpoint off the boat after an argument into open waters. And as the boat drove away, both Bison, his girlfriend, and the captain were left to stay afloat with no floaties, no raft, with only their clothes that they were wearing at the time until they couldn't swim no more and they drowned. That seems like the most logical explanation yeah and just just think about it you're looking up at your brother who looks a lot like you and he's got you off the boat you're hoping as the boat kind of drifts away that maybe he changes his mind but you're out in the middle of a which they thought it was probably at nighttime. so i mean you know the open water i mean it's it's dark as hell out there if you look from the coast Imagine, mm-hmm. in, imagine in the ocean, you can't see anything. And what mm-hmm. a helpless feeling of you tr- floating on the water, knowing that if you go under, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, that's a terrible way to go. Yep. So, their bodies were, of course, never found. They were... They oh, were it, was probably, it was probably eaten. Yeah, they were shark bait, for sure. Um, and the truth, like I said, will never totally be known, but the cops and the FBI's theories probably make most sense because there was no bullet holes there was no blood you know he he just probably forced them off dude that's in some way um so here's here's the twist the ending twist to this story so oh, there's more yeah there's a here's a twist and the reason why we don't know the the entire story and the, the entire story's never been told is just a few days later on the coast of a mexican resort they found Miles pretty much dead on the shore, and he had an insolent overdose. There was needles and stuff right there. He just shot himself up a lot, and he overdosed on email, on, on emails on insulin. And um, the very day, or the the previous night, he left a voicemail to his mom stating that he was not responsible for his brother's disappearance, his girlfriend, or the captain. He was innocent, and um, they found him dead, and, and all all things point to him because he was trying to live his brother brother's life or steal his identity, and it didn't work. And that is the end of Blood is Not Thicker Than Water, the Bison Davis wow. story. What a, what a bastard, man. Yep, the mom lost both her sons. And possible daughter-in-law. Most likely possible daughter-in-law. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're absolutely um, right. And the skipper too. Yep. Um, unfortunately, there was no Gilligan to save the day with a. You get out of here, man. I'm sorry, man. He said skipper. <laughs> I didn't go with that. I'm sorry. That was in bad taste. <laughs> it was in bad taste, but I ain't gonna lie. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> Oh but, man. Man, that sucks, dude. I mean, could you be jealous of your sibling more nonetheless your brother that much? I mean, I know it's possible cuz history shows that, you know, with Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. that there that can happen, but gosh, man. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> you could have just asked them for some help. Yeah, and it's been it was it was also researched too um when I when I looked it up, that Bison had loaned him money over the years, so it's not like Bison was being like, no, no, you, yeah, you make your own money. Bison was not only investing in good things, making more money, he was helping out his family, cousins. Um, a couple of uncles said that he helped them pay the mortgage a couple of times when they were going through hard times. He helped mm-hmm. his he helped his brother with uh, get rich quick schemes a few times, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they hadn't talked because. The, the way that his brother had treated him like very ungrateful and just he was just super jealous and you could feel that vibe I'm sure you've been around someone that when they're jealous of you or they just don't like you you could feel it but they're, yep. t- but they're trying to warm up to you anyway because either it's a group or you know they don't want to look bad you could feel yep. it right yep so yep I mean that's a tough one man I mean dying by your brother's hand and yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the way, hopefully, because like I said, I, I did do some research on that story, and I agree. I feel like what happened, that the theory is, actually happened. Mm-hmm. The simple fact that you throw, well, force them to get off the boat in the middle of the ocean and who knows where, one of those islands. You know how many animals or in that sea that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely correct. I mean, they could have died by several things or, or I mean, um, either, even if they were able to stay afloat. But the thing, the thing that bothers me about this is give them a chance. Like there's so many islands over there and little ones. Couldn't you just dump them off on an Island, you know, and, and left them at, left them at sea in the Island. At least they have, yeah, a fighter's chance of trying to survive. Yeah. And another reason why they feel that he forced them off by guns is because they have a log of everything that's loaded onto the boat and all the equipment and none of that stuff was missing. I mean, it's like he didn't throw anything extra. I mean, everything was accounted for. So that's why they think, yeah, he forced them off by gunpoint and they were just left to, to float on their own, dude. That's a terrible way to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and look, man. I mean, there's there's two things that I wish Bison would have done better in this. Obviously, you know, it sucks that he lost his life. But the first thing is, like I mentioned earlier, had he saw, had he just kicked them out earlier, two almost three weeks of conflict between you and your siblings and your girlfriend and the captain. I would have been kicked him out. I would have been like, "Hey, look, uh, no, you, you just, you just too much." He's a grown man. That's yes, that's your brother. Yes, that's my sibling. But at a at, at a certain age, it's like, "Hey, you're responsible for yourself." 
Mm-hmm. I would have left them in one of those islands when they got. Didn't you say they got off in Hawaii, right? Well, they got off in Tahiti, actually. Tahiti. They could have gotten off in Tahiti and gave them some money and said, "Hey, hey, go ahead, you're on your own." Yeah. Give him a check. Buy him a plane ticket, give him a couple thousand, and let him be on his way and just be done with him. Be be done with him. Yeah, I. Because it's just not working. I totally agree with you, bro. I wish, like you said, he had his mentality or your mentality to just be over because most likely Bison Daly's here today. Yep. So. With some kids. Yeah, with some kids, a family, and, and you know, it's it's tough, man. I'm, uh, it's I, tough. And if you, if you like this episode, go on YouTube to catch the interrogation. If you look up Miles Daly interrogation, you can see how much he looks like his brother and how much cause oh yeah he, yeah he actually shaved his head too to look like his brother um yeah, so he did. yeah check it out it's it's pretty crazy wow and then uh and another thing i wanted to add was this i know how tall bison daily is mm-hmm. he's about six eight six nine a good 260 mm-hmm. uh, his brother was pretty tall too yeah now you're a tall guy Todd. you're about six three six four mm-hmm Solid, solid size. I'm not that tall. I'm 5'10". I don't care what it takes. I know I've had a gun pointed at me. Uh, I'm quite sure you had situations happen. Mm. In a situation like that, I'm going for it, bro. Yeah. You're going to kill me, you're going to kill me. Rush him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how he was forced off. We don't know. But, uh, hey, I'm rushing him. Yeah, you know what? You kill me, you kill me. I agree because, you know, someone's going to get hit, but at least you could have saved a life. So even if he goes after, okay, I'm going to kill my brother and takes a shot or two, maybe gets off another one at the captain, at least she could have mm-hmm. jumped on him. You're absolutely right. I mean, your options are limited. It's either go in the mm-hmm. water or go or fight to death. And for me, I'd rather be shot and killed to know that, you know, it would be quick, you know. And, and whereas you're drowning in the ocean, that's a slow, terrible death that's just my opinion i mean yeah i yeah. To- i totally I'm, get you i i think you're right they should have rushed him but we don't know all the facts unfortunately yeah. but yeah i mean but at the end of the day you know it's still a tragic uh tragic incident that happened with them uh brian williams aka bison and uh the skipper and his and his girlfriend so mm-hmm. and I, and then, and then miles went out the cowardly way obviously yeah, he couldn't he couldn't handle it. He knew he was going to be the he was already the black sheep of the family, and and he didn't want this on his head. So he thought of himself, and like you said, went out the easy way. Yep, I would have wished I would have wished the detective was in the in the modern era of thinking, but they weren't. So, yeah, uh, you know, kept an eye on him at least. Yeah, I, but, uh, I still don't understand how you can quote-unquote believe or think it's possible but still take the gold coins and not let him do his thing i mean i still believe you follow that dude and you figure out if this is true or not because at worst you find out okay he's a murderer you know and and we've been played but we got him in custody he's right here and unfortunately they're just they let him go and and who knows he if he was more smart he could have maybe got away with it he could have went to another island (laughs) <laughs> for real that's like that's like calling the fire department saying help my house is on fire they say well we believe you but we'll we'll, uh, 
We'll send someone out there, but we won't bring the hose. <laughs> We're just going to use fire extinguishers. We're just going to use fire extinguishers, uh, you know, because uh, we believe you. Uh, we're just not sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll send the guy over with a fire extinguisher, and if there is a fire, then we'll come out with the fire trucks. Yeah, and when you burn up and you're dead, we'll, we'll then we'll burn that. We'll we'll take the house out. Now. Yeah, we'll tell you that you were right, even though you can't man. comprehend. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. But uh, sad story though, man. Seriously, sad story. Yes, sir. So that's that's the show, man. Well, thank you, sir, for enlightening us. That's the second sports figure that we've done so far, right? I know you talked about the the guy from the Packers. Oh, that's the third one. Um, uh, we did the oh, I five. Oh, you had Ray Carruth. Yeah, we had Ray Carruth and the I five killer. Yeah. Yeah, and then now Bison Deadly. Mm-hmm. So it shows that everyone, no matter what occupation, is can be a victim of crime. So just watch yourselves and watch watch your backs. And just pay attention to details. Absolutely. So, with that being said, we are going to sign off, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, thank you for all the viewers that are listening. We're getting a lot of good traction from you guys. We really appreciate you guys supporting the show and commenting as well. We take both criticism and uh, compliments, mm-hmm. you know, compliments very, very well. So, we appreciate that you guys uh, leave your comments. Shout out to all the people all over the globe that listen to us from different countries, different continents, different states. Thank you so much. With that being said, let's tell you guys where you can find us. You can find us on uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook. Just look us up on the Grinding True Crime podcast. Sorry about that. That was an alarm in the background. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you can find us on there. Just type in uh, Grinding True Crime podcast. All right. Well, with that being said, Maddie Matt signing off with our narrator, Todd Fox. And the other host of the show, she's not here today, but we'll be back next week, Gabby Gab. And that is the show for today. All righty then. Peace.